Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Are you ready for God's Word? I love that God's Word brings truth, brings power, bring, enables us to do our week well. And this week, we've had a challenging week. As many of you know, Steve's mum passed away um, just uh, t 10 days ago and we had her farewell celebration of life service just this week. And, and Steve has been preparing this message and I believe it's straight from God's heart through his heart to your hearts. And it's been difficult time for him, but he's strong. And uh, can we give him all the support and all the love and encouragement? And can we stand together? And can we also honour God and His Word as we welcome Steve? Thank you. Thank you so much. And Pastor John and Chantel send their love. They are ministering in the States this week. And uh, Chantel was speaking in a prison to a thousand women and told her story. How good is that? So uh, they're going to be back next week. And, and just so you know, Pastor John did say, look, if you don't want to speak, I can get someone else. But how we know that we're a family as church? You see me in the good weeks. And sometimes it's good to see each other when the tough weeks come along. And our church has been amazing, friendly, loving, received flowers, cards, but most importantly, prayers and love. So thank you so much for all you've done. Nick, Nick surprised me. He literally drove up to County Durham. It's a five-hour drive, arrived in the funeral. There he was. So give it up for Nick Cowley. He is a good man. But this is God's Word. It's His church. And you're His people. So why don't you open your heart to Him as we pray. And if you're watching online, you pray too. Lord Jesus, we want to thank You that You're here right now, wherever we are, speaking and breathing through Your Word. And may it reach into us and change us. So we open our hearts and say, Jesus, would you have your way in us? We give you this next few moments in Jesus' name. And everyone said a big loud. Amen. Amen. While you're still standing, and I'm going to thank the team. Didn't they do a brilliant job? Absolutely love them. Thank you, guys. But while you're still standing, we're going to do a test. And those of you online, you can watch and see how smart everyone is. Who loves tests? We're going to do a directions test. Now, uh, in, in life, there are two types of people. There are directionally competent people. You know your directions. You, uh, you don't even use a GPS. You know your way around Norwich, and you are confident and competent. Do we have any of those people in here? There you go. One or two. All right. We'll find out, won't we, in a moment. And then you, we have the directionally challenged people. You can't even find your way around Asda. Do we have any of those? All right, so here's the test. I want everyone to put your finger like this. And when I count to three, I want you all to instantly point together, so don't look for anyone else, in the direction that I tell you. 
So I'm going to say one, two, three, direction, then wherever you think it is, point. All right? And let's see how we go. All right? One, two, three, north. All right, let's have a look. People changing. We have couples that are uh, fighting with each other. All right. <laughs> Someone's pointing up. I like that. <laughs> Good work, mate. We have virtually got every direction. Now I've got a compass on my watch, and so I'm going to point in the exact direction of true north. Are you ready? North is that way. So give yourselves a round of applause. <laughs> All right, you can sit down. Question. Why is true north important? In the ancient world, when people were traveling and there was no GPS, during the day they navigated by mountains or places, buildings. But at night, when the darkness descended, they would look for true north. True north. Sailors and travelers would find their way through the darkness by looking for a star called Polaris, the pole star, or the north star. And you can find it on, I think on the screens, you can see the Big Dipper and the Little Dipper. If you want to know the difference, the Little Dipper has a smaller dip. And there is, over here, Polaris, the north star. And that's because the Earth rotates on an axis. Right at the top, above, directly north above that axis is the star called Polaris. Now if we were to look at the sky and take a time-lapse picture of an evening, you will see that every star, it rises in the east and it sets in the west like the sun. So if we show a picture, a time-lapse time -lapse picture, of every single evening, it would look a little bit like what's about to appear on the screen. Just someone tell me when it appears. And if it doesn't, I'll keep going. It looks like lots of concentric circles, and it looks incredibly confusing. Just circle, circle, and it looks like it's all spinning. But right at the center, there we go, thank you. Right at the center of all of that, right there, is Polaris, the North Star, or True North. It never moves. It's constant. It's fixed. Question. In your life, when the darkness descends, what's your true north. What do you look to on the dark days? Two weeks ago, I was holding my mom's hand, surrounded by family. I think there were 12 of us in the ICU. I think we broke a record. My mom literally took her last breath 
and passed away. A few days ago, Tuesday, I gave the eulogy at her funeral. And anyone who's lost a parent or a loved one like Margaret knows there can be some pretty dark days. Grief affects you in many ways. Emotionally, you feel like it's all spinning. Everything's emotionally out of control. Physically, I don't think I've ever felt so tired and just the heaviness of grief. But also cognitively, you can't quite think straight. Grief obscures your normal thinking. Yesterday, I went to Tom and Amena's wedding, and I was completely late, and I am never late. But that's what grief does. It obscures your thinking. How do you deal with the dark days? That's the title of this message, Dealing with the Dark Days. When you go through a dark day, what's your true north? What do you turn to? The day after the funeral, I was, I think for the first time, I, I was left alone. I'd, Rachel and the girls had gone out somewhere, and I was up in my office, and all of a sudden, the grief hit me like a truck. It's like a few minutes. On my, on my, I don't think I've ever cried like it in my life. The next morning, in my devotion, I read this passage in Matthew 27. So I'm going to ask you all to stand. We're going to honor God's word. But I'm going to read it to you. You don't need to follow along. You can watch it on the screen. But I'm going to read this passage that impacted me. Just to put it in con context, Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's been betrayed and rejected. He's been stripped naked, humiliated, and shamed. And in verse 38, it says, At the same time, two robbers were crucified with Jesus, one on the right, one on the left. Those who passed by were hurling abuse at him and jeering him, wagging their heads in scorn and ridicule. And they said, tauntingly, ha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself if you are the Son of God come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests, along with the scribes and the elders, mocked him saying, ha, he saved others from death, can't save himself. He's meant to be the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross, and then we'll believe in him and acknowledge him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now, if he delights in him. For he said, I'm the son of God. Then the robbers, who'd been crucified with him also, began to insult him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud, agonized voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
And Jesus cried out again with a loud, agonized voice and gave up his spirit. You can take your seats. Darkness descended and covered the whole land. If anybody ever faced a dark day, Jesus did. He took upon himself all of our darkness. It was the darkest day in history. And as I read this passage, something lit up and I realized I needed to make the cross of Christ my true north. The cross of Jesus tells us how to navigate our darkest days. And friend, today in this room and watching online, from the cross, Jesus wants to speak into your heart and your life and your situation, especially if you're going through a dark day. Here's what darkness does. It obscures the way that you see and it obscures the way that you think. The way that you think. So this morning, I'd love to ask you all three questions. Question number one. Is this okay? Three questions, you can handle that? All right, question number one. Is the darkness obscuring your view of how good God is? Is the darkness obscuring your view online of how good God is? If my pain, my grief, my hurt, my rejection, or my shame affects the belief that Jesus really cares, I need to make sure I make the cross my true north. Why? Because in Isaiah 53 it says, and this is amazing. This was written 700 years before Jesus came by Isaiah. He prophesied a time when God would come and save his people. And he wrote this, he is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised. We did not esteem him. But surely he has borne our grief and he carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken and smitten by God. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. This is good news this morning. It doesn't make my pain any less. But it helps to know that Jesus cares. He understands. He was acquainted with grief, but more than that, he bore our grief. He took it on the cross. So we don't have to live our lives in an endless 
vortex of feeling and confusion because our feelings are not our north star. The cross of Jesus is our true north. Our true north. You know, it's very difficult to look at the cross and question whether God really loves us. It's very difficult to look at the cross and question whether God cares because God gave up everything because he loved you and I. That was the depths of his love for you. In Romans 8, 31 and 32, it says, what can we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? But listen to this. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not freely give us all things? Think about this. God has buried a child because he cares so much for you. That's how much he loves you. It was for your good. He knows the pain and the grief and the sorrow of loss. But never allow your temporary pain to obscure his everlasting love for you. He's always loved you and he will always love you. And the cross is our true north. That was question number one. Is the darkness obscuring your view of how good God is? You ready for number two? Here it is. Is the darkness obscuring your view of what God says about you? What God says about you. Let's go back to Matthew 27, the passage that you stood for. Remember Jesus has been betrayed already by his 12 followers. That's devastating enough. But then we read how the Roman soldiers turned against him and started to mock him. Then in verse 39, he was rejected by the people passing by. I don't know about you, but if I pass by somebody being executed, I would show some level of compassion. But not these passers-by. They joined in and started to taunt Jesus. Then in verse 41, we read three more groups of people that joined in against Jesus. It says the chief priests, that's the pastors, the scribes, that's the theologians, and the elders, people like Derek Blois. They all joined in the attack. I mean, if there was one place Jesus should have found comfort, it was the people that should have understood who he was from Scripture. As if it can't get any worse, rejected by his friends, rejected by passers-by, rejected by the three religious leaders. Then it says the two robbers turned against him. It's like having every single Twitter follower have a go at you. Even the two robbers. You talk about rejection. You talk about feeling alone. Darkness always sees rejection 
and loneliness as an opportunity to descend. When you are most alone, friend, you are most vulnerable. That's why being in church is so important. Your external challenges are only as powerful as your internal securities allow them to be. And having thrown everything at Jesus externally, now the enemy goes internally. In Matthew 27 verse 40 says, they said to him tauntingly, you destroy the temple, rebuild it in three days, save yourself. Then it says this, if you are the son of God. If you are the son of God. Does anybody recognize those words? If you are the son of God. Come back with me, 24 chapters, to Matthew chapter 3. Jesus' ministry is about to begin, and he gets baptized in the Jordan, and God the Father speaks. The Holy Spirit descends in a dove. I mean, get this on your Instagram reel. Holy Spirit descends on a dove as Jesus comes out, and God the Father speaks to everyone, said, see this guy? This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. How many love that? Jesus hasn't done anything. He hasn't started his ministry. He hasn't preached a sermon. He hasn't healed a sick person. And God the Father says, I love him. Friend, God doesn't love you because of what you do or because of how good you are. He loves you because he is good. You can't earn his love, deserve his love. All you can do is receive it. What comes after Matthew chapter 3? That's right, Matthew chapter 4. And Jesus goes in to the desert. And the enemy comes against him one on one. This is like, whoa, this is on. And the enemy, when Jesus is alone, sees his opportunity. And three times he attacks Jesus. And each time he uses a phrase. If you are the son of God. If you are who you, God says you are. If you are loved as much as God says you are. If you are the son of God. From the first day of his ministry on earth to the last day of his ministry on the cross, it's the same temptation if you are. It's about your identity. What is the biggest battleground of our generation today? It's the same issue. If you are. If you're such a good Christian, why did you do that? Look at what's happened to you. You know why. It's your fault. If you are such a good parent, why are your kids doing that? It's because you're no good. It's your fault. If you are as good as God says you are, this wouldn't have happened to you. You wouldn't be in such a mess. You wouldn't be divorced. Your business wouldn't be struggling. 
If you are who God says you are, you'd be able to withstand that temptation, break that addiction, get that job, have that relationship. It just proves how useless you are. How can God love someone like you? Has anyone ever heard the voice of, if you are? And on the cross, he said, if you are the Son of God. The enemy is relentless from the first day to the last day. He's looking for an opportunity to attack you when you're alone, when you're most vulnerable, when someone has let you down, when somebody has hurt you. He's always looking to attack who you are and whose you are. Ships don't sink because of the water that surrounds them. They sink because of the water that gets in them. Never allow the darkness to obscure your view of who you are and whose you are and how much he loves and values you. You have to look to the true north of the cross. If you want to know how valuable you are, look at who the cross says you are. You are loved. You are accepted. You are forgiven. You, my friend, are precious to God. Precious to God. And you are, Colin. You really are, my friend. You say, Steve, how? Am I really? Am I really that? Precious to God. That's a question we all ask ourselves. I'm going to tell you, help you see how valuable you are to God. Now, I need someone to help me. So, everyone on the first two rows, I could get one of you to volunteer. I want you to think about an object. It can be any object, an object in the room, an object at home, an object overseas. I'm going to get you to come up here, tell me what the object is, it can be anything. And then I'm going to tell you exactly how much that object is worth to the pound. And you can fact check this on Google if you want. All right? So everyone on the first two rows, who should I pick? Do you think I can do this, by the way? You're looking at me like, who does he think he is? All right, Sarah Smith. Come on, give it up for Sarah. She's a, she's a superstar. So Sarah, let everyone see how, this is, you know Stewie who led the worship? This is the other half. Lovely Sarah, she's fantastic. So have you thought of an object? I have. All right, so you're gonna tell me the object and I'm gonna tell everyone and everyone online exactly how much this object is worth, all right? So what's the object? Queen Camilla's crown. Queen Camilla's crown. Now, I don't know whether you know this, but I'm a bit of a crown jewels man. I remember the message I did, so I actually do know a bit about the crown jewels. And Queen Camilla's, which of the crowns was it? The one she wore on her head. The one she wore on her head, because <laughs> there's two. All right. She's good, isn't she? <laughs> All right, so would you like me to tell you exactly how much that's worth? Here it is. Are you ready? It is exactly worth what somebody 
is willing to pay for it. Is that right? It is worth exactly your house that you live in. What's it worth? I'll tell you what it's worth. Not what the real estate agent says. It is worth exactly what someone you're worth what somebody was willing to pay for you. What was God willing to pay for you? The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 1 verse 18, Jillian, knowing that you were not redeemed, that means bought, with corruptible things like silver or gold. You weren't purchased with silver and gold. Let me tell you why. Because its value goes up and down. When I went to school many years ago, I'd buy five tickets for my lunch. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Do you know how much five tickets cost me in County Durham? Here we go, 75p. It was 15p a day for my school lunch. Then were the days, weren't they? Now it would cost a lot more because its value goes up. You weren't redeemed with corruptible things whose value goes up and down like silver and gold. You were bought with something far more precious. It says, verse 19, you were bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. What was God willing to pay for you? The blood of his own son. It's probably the one thing that God couldn't afford. It cost him something. There was a sacrifice involved. How much are you worth? God thought you were worth giving his son for. You're redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. When the enemy tries to tell you his lies and the darkness descends and he tells you you're no good and worthless and no one will ever love you, you remind him that you were purchased with the precious blood of Jesus, a lamb without blemish. That's how valuable you are. The cross is the only true north of your value. You're not what your teachers think or your parents think or your friends think. True north of your worth is the cross. As the team come up, about a, go, about a month ago, my daughter Mercy, she sat there. She's gorgeous. She was clearing up a room. I mean, oh, that's a miracle. <laughs> and uh, hadn't seen the floor for several years. She's at her A-levels, so she'd worked hard, and uh, she cleared up a room. It was awesome. Found a second World War soldier that was hiding in there. <laughs> Indiana Jones was looking around for stuff, and it was all kinds of stuff come out. It's about a month ago. And Rachel and I were sat in the front room, and she came down. And she said, I found a letter from Nana, from my mom. So we've got a picture of this letter that she found. It's two weeks before mom died. So those in the room, you can read it, but for those of you listening on a podcast, you may be having a run, you're in the car. Let me read a couple of lines to you. Mom bought a necklace for each of the girls, all of the grandkids. 
And when she gave it to them, she gave this letter and she said, Dear Mercy, when you wear this necklace, always remember that I love you. Whenever you feel overwhelmed, remember whose granddaughter you are. You're one of my precious treasures. And remember God loves you. Love, Nana. When Mercy came down, I'll never forget it. Rach and I were in, sat on the couch. She came down and she said, Nana's one of my top three people. We checked, we weren't in the top three. She said, no, not you, but other than you two. She said, she's one of my top three. And I said, why? She said, because she called me a precious treasure. She said, Dad, I think I'm going to get a tattoo. And I'm going to write, precious treasure. Maybe she knows I'm, I'm not a fan of tattoos. And maybe she thought, that's one way I can get him. It wasn't that. Precious treasure. Friend, when the darkness descends, you feel overwhelmed and worthless. Remember whose you are. You are one of his precious treasures. Tattoo it on your soul. He didn't write it in a letter. He wrote it in blood on a cross. The precious blood of Jesus declares how valuable you are. That's your true north. I said I'd give you three questions. I've given you two. Let me go to the third. Number one was this, the darkness obscuring your view of how good God is. Number two is the darkness obscuring your view of what God says about you. And lastly, number three, is the darkness obscuring your hope for your future? Because that's what darkness does, isn't it? I don't like the dark. Anyone else with me? Get a bit scared. No, I'm big. I, wanna, I like to know what's ahead. And some of you, the darkness has caused you to worry and to fear. You wonder whether you're going to make it, whether you're going to get through these dark days. You know, some of my heroes, people in our church who go through chronic pain. People like Richard Jordan, who runs our car park. You may not know, but he suffers from fibromyalgia. He's in constant pain, but he never moans. He never complains. He turns up week in, week out and serves people. People like Dick Anger, who's not here today, but he's battled that knee. And there he is. Dick Anger, you are one of my heroes. You have lived with constant pain for months and years. And yet he keeps going. No matter how dark it seems. As I drove away from mom's house, funeral was Tuesday. And I went in on Wednesday because the reality was this could be my last time in that house. And me and my brother and sister, we could choose any possessions we wanted. So I wanted to pick things to remember my mom. And I picked three things. 
you want to know what they were? Well, the first one was my, her Apple Watch. They got it for a few weeks ago, so if she fell, she could message. You know, there's just something about knowing it's with me all day. The second thing I chose spontaneously. I was in a bedroom about to walk out and leave. I just went into a bedroom, saw a bed where she laid for so long. I saw a pillow where her head laid. I touched it, it was really soft. I thought, I'm gonna take that. So I've got a pillow. If you're gonna take anything away from God's house today, he's always with you. He's with you in the day. And he's with you at night when you put your head down. There's one more thing that I took. This probably means most. It's this. You may remember me telling you the story last year of how in 1989, my mom's mom was in hospital. And she was very seriously ill and the hospital called my mom and said, sorry, she's not gonna make it. She'd been in a coma for three days and she had an ulcer and it perforated and poison spilled out into her body. And so they called and said, you better come into the hospital and say your goodbyes to your mom, my Nana. And I remember mom, when she got that call, she, she's normally so upbeat, but she was so flat took the wind out of her sails and she went in with dad and she was expecting to say her goodbyes but as she went into the ward in North Tees General Hospital there was Nana sat bold, bold upright shining eating a breakfast my mum was like what happened to you and she described how when she was in the coma she was in this dark and horrible place. And she said it smelled horrible and looked horrible. And she said how my uncle, Uncle Peter, had been in and visited my mom the day before and given her this, this little cross. And she said, when I was in the coma, I held on to that cross. And he said, as I held on to it, all of a sudden, a chink of light appeared in this dark place. My nana said to my mom, she said, so I lifted up in the coma, I lifted up the cross to the light and the more I lifted it up, the more the light began to fill the room. And she said that after three days of holding on to that cross, I was in this place. Now my nana wasn't a Christian, she was kind and lovely. But she wasn't a believer. And she started to describe this room, the colors, and the, the sounds. And she said, and in the middle, there was a throne like on the old one penny, the throne of Britannia. Those of you that are older, Richard Nash. And my dad, who knows his Bible inside out, said, that sounds a lot like heaven in the book of Revelation. And he went into a a little side cabinet because remember the Gideon Bibles my dad was a Gideon he got out the Bible he turned it to Revelation 21 gave it to my Nana she read it and she said that's where I've been 
That's where I'd be. The cross. The cross is your true north. However dark it feels in your life, however dark it seems in your family, however much it seems like you're not going to make it, the greatest symbol of hope in the world is the cross of Jesus Christ. Why? Because when the Bible talks about the cross, it's referring to the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. He may have been dead in a grave, but thank God on the third day, He rose again in glorious life. Your true north. Number one, God cares. Even in the middle of your pain, He cares. Number two, you are incredibly precious to God. And then number three, there's hope through the cross. Hold on to that true north. I'm gonna ask you all to stand. It's been a lot for you to take in with those stories. So a couple of weeks ago, we sang this beautiful song in church. It's an oldie, but it's a goldie. It's a song about the cross. And I've been singing this for about a month now. Stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazareth. How marvelous, how wonderful. So I want us to respond for a moment by singing this song. I'd encourage you to lift up your hands to your true north, the cross of Jesus, and think about how much he loves you, how much he values you. So the team are going to lead us, then I'm going to come back up and ask one final question. But who's grateful for the cross of Jesus? Who's grateful that he shed his blood? So come on, let's all worship him together. And I love it for a different reason this week. Because every week that I have the privilege of sharing from here, we end the service by giving people an opportunity to get right with God. Maybe you're in this room and you're not a Christian. And you say, Steve, I don't know how to become a Christian. Well, every week we take a moment to explain that. And I always say, three things. When Jesus comes into your life, He does three things. The first thing He does is He cleanses you of your past. We've all done wrong, every one of us, everyone in the room, everyone online. We've all, the Bible said, sinned. But here's what Jesus did. On the cross, He took all of our darkness. He shed His blood to cleanse all of our sin so you can be whole. I love that. I've always loved that. But the second thing that He does is He gives you life meaning and purpose. You start to follow Jesus and help people and love people like you never had. And I love that. And of the three things, I've I've kind of always loved one and two a little bit more, if I'm honest. Because the third thing that Jesus does is He gives you an eternal hope in heaven. You weren't designed to live for 70 or 80 or 90 years. God made you as an eternal being. And you're meant to live forever in heaven. 
And when you lose someone, you realize that that is the great, great hope of being a believer. Because I know one day I'm going to see my mom again. I'm going to see my dad because they were believers. I'm going to see our little baby that was born in the womb. Jillian's going to see Murray. We're going to live forever and ever and ever and ever in heaven. So let me ask you, friend, do you know that you're going to live forever in heaven? The only way is through Jesus. When you make the cross your true north, He'll forgive you of your sin. He'll give you a brand new start and you can live forever. You say, Steve, how do I make the cross my true north? You pray a prayer. You invite Him in. And every week in Soul Church, we lead people in this prayer. Friend, it would be my greatest honor to lead you in that prayer. So here's what I'm going to do in a moment. I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, if you're in the room and you know, you know that you know that you need to get right with God to be with Him forever. When I count to three, I'm going to ask you simply to raise your hand. Say, Steve, would you pray for me? We're not going to embarrass you, but I would love to pray for you. If you've never made this decision, today is the best day to invite Jesus in. Maybe you once walked with God, but if you're really honest, you're here today or you're here online, you're not in a a right place with God. Friend, He still loves you. You can recommit your life to Him. He still loves you. So this is for anyone who wants to pray it the first time, anyone who wants to come home. Let's give everyone a moment of privacy. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. God sees you, friend, in this crowd, sees you online. This is your moment to get right with Him. So when I count to three, if you say, Steve, would you pray for me? When I count to three all across this room and online, why don't you lift up your hand or put something in the chat are you ready God loves you friend one two three that's it just lift it up thank you 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 I love that thank you it's beautiful this is what it's all about fantastic I love it now we're going to pray this prayer together you're all going to repeat it after me it's on the screen So everyone, especially those of you that raised your hand, if you really mean it, you pray this from your heart. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me to forgive all my sin and failures so I can have a brand new start. Please come into my life and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and live for you. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together. Congratulate all those people. Love it. What a thrill. For those of you that raised your hand all across this building, maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you prayed that prayer. Then as you leave, our team will be in the foyer. They'll be holding up these. they Mark's gospel. It's all about Jesus. It's going to help you. So if you come with a friend... Go up to them and go up to those people in the 
out in the atrium and say, hey, I prayed that prayer, can I have a Bible? We would love to give this to you. Our team came especially to meet with you. So whether you lifted your hand or not, please come up and see people like Paula and Nick and they would love to give you that. Then there's two things we'd love you to do. Two things. These things are important. Number one, come back to church. If you don't have a church, come to our church. If you're from another church, go to that church. If you don't have a church and you live elsewhere, we'll help you find one. If you are from this church, I want to really encourage you. You've just taken a first step. But there are many steps in being a follower of Jesus. And so we run a course which we're starting. And it's not just a course. It's an opportunity for you to learn how to take the next step and the next step and the next step. We want to help set you up for life as a follower of Jesus. So the course is called Follow Jesus. Right? And you can sign up online. Sign up by talking to one of the team in the lounge, Connect Lounge, just before you leave. Honestly, it's going to be one of the best things you do. I think it starts on the 8th of October. It's about 7, 7, 5 p.m. services. So you come to church, come in the worship, and then when the message is on, you go and you learn how to follow. It will be one of the best decisions you make. So if you made a decision any time this last year, get yourself in to follow Jesus become a follower. One more time. Come on, let's put our hands together. Let's congratulate all of those who made that decision. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope to see you again soon. God bless.